0: Hello and welcome to the Rooted by the River podcast. I don't know why it is, but we started doing all of this, you know, prep work and getting everything and we were totally fine. As soon as we start recording the real thing, it's like we, we start laughing. We start laughing. Uncontrolled. It's like we're 12 years old again. It's we're just true. looking at each other, cracking up. Yeah. Main recording. Time for seriousness. Yeah, that's right. And we can't hold it together that's right can't do it just like you know when you're in a funeral and you're trying to be all super serious and then somebody does something and you borderline lose it yeah yeah makes sense very similar yes funeral feel in here for sure oh my (laughs) gosh (laughs) oh man we just talked about coffee though there's a coffee keurig in the corner so why not makes you you feel better it does make you feel better a little uh, awesome stuff. Anyways, so uh, welcome to Rooted by the River. This is the official podcast of First Baptist Church, Savannah, Tennessee. I am Braylon Lashley, one of the pastors here at First Baptist, and I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Andrew Bosak. I appreciate that uh, that introduction. How are you doing today? You doing all right? I'm doing good. I've got some caffeine right beside me, and uh, you know we're ready to go. We've been moving couches all day, so that's fun. We've already moved some couches uh
1: ministry that's practical as it gets there, man. Moving couches. And here we are recording the first podcast, Rooted by the River. So excited about it. So looking
0: forward to uh what the Lord has in store for this man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think we both share that uh it's so vitally important that we make this podcast. You know, most people would ask why will we make this podcast? Because we're already pretty busy and we've got a lot of ministerial things to do and we've got a lot of uh family life as well but it's uh, we think that it's very important that we make this podcast uh to the glory of god so uh. Uh, yeah man overall
1: goal that's it for sure to glorify god and i think a lot of the pod- podcast is going to be breaking down you know, by you kind of asking me questions related to the the sermon the previous Sunday. But let me just start out, you kind of mentioned already kind of the big picture goal here, but what are some other specific goals that you have? Uh, answer the questions. Why are we sitting here? Why are we doing this? What are we hoping to accomplish with this podcast? Who's the main audience? Talk to me about that. Yeah, this is so, your idea, yeah. your thing.
0: Take it away. Yeah. So uh, the, the main thing uh, as all of our ministry's point, all of our lives' point, uh, is to just uh, bring glory and honor to Christ. That's that's really what we're all about here, and a spinoff of that, or a subsect, so to speak, is uh, to further equip the church. Uh, this church. This is for us to uh, provide deeper clarity to sermons on Sundays and a deeper clarity to certain questions that might come up during the week. Uh, or questions that pertain to life in general. And uh, we want to provide those answers. We want to further equip the church and as it says in the scripture for every good work. So so I think it's important for folks
1: listening to to know that we are our main audience is our church. We are seeking to to minister to them well as as we take our call as under shepherds seriously. We want to engage in this way certainly other people can and are are more than welcome and, and we hope listen, but we are thinking about our
0: church as we record. I think that's important for folks to understand. Absolutely. It it really is. Uh and I think that's that should be a good mode, I, I think, as a pastor, is that we take care of the the flock, the sheep, if you will, uh, primarily, you know, and then we move on to those outside the walls. So it's great. Very man. good stuff. I like that a lot. Uh so yeah, we are going to do a lot of things and uh we're going to start out with uh book and podcast recommendations. We listen to a lot of podcasts during the week. We uh read a lot of books. Uh we have read a lot of books and we will continue to read a lot of books. We do read a lot, we listen a lot and I I think that's probably where the
1: idea for this generated that we Talk about share podcasts, you know, basically daily and and weekly we listen, and uh, we thought about, hey, why don't we do our own minister to our people well? So yeah, Braylon, you you share probably more podcasts with me than I share with you, but uh, what are some of the main ones that you like to listen
0: to? Yeah, at the moment, I've got uh, three major ones that I listen to, and I would encourage uh, you guys listening to listen to as well during the week. At, it's uh, The first one is For the Gospel with Costi Hinn. Uh, his whole thing is uh, sound theology, sound doctrine for everyday people. He wants to uh, take the cookies off the top shelf, as he says. He wants to answer those deep theological questions about the Christian faith and do something similar to what we're doing here is to equip uh, the body of Christ. The second one is uh, Dial In Ministries with Johnny Artavanis. Uh, really great, and if I had one particular uh, thread of podcast to listen to, it would be his Theology of Work, Laziness, the Work Ethic, and What It Means to Be a Hard Worker for Christ. Uh, and then the last one is uh, For the Church podcast coming out of Midwestern. You know, uh, Andrew uh, finished up his PhD there, and uh, I'm wrapping up my uh, master's in theological studies there. And uh, so that place is very near and dear to our heart, and uh, the guys over there do a great job with this podcast, and it's it's really beneficial. So, those are my three. I think would be uh, just essential to add to your list of podcasts uh, for your daily and weekly consumption. What about you? What you got? Yeah, man you were you were thinking about
1: that laziness and work podcast while we were moving those couches, man. You were you were channeling that yeah. one, that one there. I was thinking, man, but if yeah. I just let it go. Yeah, we love Midwestern, man. We we love that seminary, and uh, no it's doubt. been such a blessing to us. And yeah, probably the, the podcast I listen to regularly, uh, one of them is related to Midwestern. The, the president actually does this. This one uh, co-hosts it, uh, Preaching and Preachers, and uh, not just uh, driving at ministers per se, but just a lot of uh, good theological, practical information uh, for that podcast— other th- others that would be probably more relevant for uh just uh, people listening uh truth for life uh great podcast uh, the sermons from Alistair Begg love listening to his preaching uh if we only had cool accents like that uh we would be in a lot better shape but uh that's all right we'll we'll still uh still press on so love truth for life also love uh pastor's talk that's a that's a podcast from nine marks many I'm sure are familiar with that ministry and then one I like to listen to semi-regularly, sermons from Adrian Rogers, Love Worth Finding. So a lot of good stuff out there, and and we want to uh, hopefully add, add to podcasts that are fruitful and helpful for folks. And um, yeah, we listen a lot,
0: and now we are recording. Excellent. I like it a lot. Let's uh, shift to book recommendations. I know that you've read quite a, a bit of books as you've prepared for uh, I know your MDiv, and then your eventual PhD, and you continue to read as you study and uh, equip yourself to equip the church. Somebody said that one time, and I can't remember who said it, but it doesn't matter. So what would be your top book recommendations uh, that you've read in the past or present, and what are some that you're reading right now? Man, that's a that's a big question
1: there for sure. Um, a lot of the books that I read uh, had to do with kind of uh, philosophy and uh, the theology of preaching, and uh, again, you know, if if that's relevant for some listening to this podcast, uh, one that just comes to mind that was probably uh, one of the more transformational books for me was Recapturing the Voice of God by Stephen Smith, and his thing was seeing the genres of Scripture basically as God's tone of voice. So as God is communicating with us, it's important to consider the genre, and to see how God is communicating, not just what He communicates, but how He's communicating with His quote-unquote tone of voice. So that's a great book, Uh, one of uh, literally hundreds I read uh, at my time at Midwestern. Uh, So we could certainly even do uh, a single episode on that. So we don't need to go any further down that rabbit trail, but one uh, in the past that has uh, really been transformational just in my walk with Christ is The Grace and, Grace and Truth Paradox uh, by Alcorn. Love that book. And uh, man, I, I recommend it all the time. And a short read, uh, simple, but uh, but powerful nonetheless. And what I'm reading now is uh, Bonhoeffer, uh, Metaxas, his biography. Huge book, six 700 pages, I think. But uh, it's, it's a, a great read, uh, such an engaging story. If those are, are listening, not familiar, he was a, a theologian and pastor... Uh, during the second world war in germany and uh, i'm getting to the place where he is just now standing up to the nazis where many other in the the other folks in the churches capitulated to the nazis man he's standing up and um great
0: great book great read that's great man that's great yeah uh i am really enjoying right now um the soul winner by Spurgeon. Classic man, Spurgeon. Really, really good. Love Spurgeon. You know, you can't be a Midwestern person and not mention Spurgeon I pretty much
1: quote him every Sunday. It seems like the people listening aren't comfortable until I quote Spurgeon. That's it. They kind of settle in after I give them that Spurgeon quote. That's it. Classic Spurgeon,
0: man. Gotta go back to Spurgeon. Yeah, The Soul Winner. Very good. It really uh, drives home... uh, I'm in a class right now, evangelism and discipleship, and uh, it drives home what the Christian should be about. The primary focus for us uh, to glorify God and to make disciples. And uh, he walks through the different uh, emphasis of caring for the soul and uh, having a burden for the lost. And uh, I really like what your, um, and I think it was quoted from the Soul Winner, what you said on Sunday about hey. If they are going to go to hell, then they're going to go over our dead bodies. Mm. It's uh, so very important. And that's really challenged me to uh, be more sensitive to evangelism. Uh, the other thing I would recommend, the other book I would recommend is uh, Worship by A.W. Tozer. Uh, you know, I'm a worship guy and I enjoy worship. Uh, that is one of the callings that I have. But I like to see worship played out not only in our life daily, but in the corporate worship service that's so vitally important to us and to the unity and to um, just worshiping Christ for who He is. But A.W. Tozer has this one quote that I actually put up on our website is, uh, if you're not ready for worship, then you're not ready for heaven. And that struck me so hard because if I'm not willing to worship, then my eventual place for eternity in the presence of God glorifying Him, I'm not ready for. Mm. And uh, so that's just kind of a a general thing for myself and also for those that are listening. Just when you're worshiping on a Sunday morning or in your daily life, think about glorifying God. Think about that aspect of worship and be ready for it. Don't see it as a chore or a checkbox or anything like that. Uh, And then the last one, because I have quite a few, um, I'll do two. The last one, um, second to last one, is Ethics for Brave New World by the Steinbergs. I took a an, an, an Christian ethics class. Uh, this is very important to read. It's, it's quite lengthy as well, but uh, it's pretty important to understand the Christian stance on a lot of hotly debated topics, uh, abortion and euthanasia and uh, you know, just all these different things laid out um, the gender dysphoria, all all these things, homosexuality, uh, everything that uh, that the Bible teaches, right? We need to have an answer for that, and we need to know where we stand. And uh, that book really gives guidance on how to have a good Christian ethic. And the last one is something that you have referenced multiple times in your sermons is uh, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And uh, if you haven't read that book, I would encourage you to read that. It's a smaller book, but uh, it is uh, quite powerful uh, in its impact. So.
1: Yeah, man, I I love the Screw Tape Letters. It uh, it's a lot of uh, powerful, profound theological, deep truths, but communicated in such a way that only Lewis could through you know letters between demons, you know, and uh, the Bible is very clear. We battle not against flesh and blood, so that book is essential to to understand the uh, the schemes, as as it were, of the enemy and uh, giving us insight and wisdom, and then practical application of how we can, you know, battle well and and follow Christ fruitfully in the days in which we live. You know, along with dealing with those ethical uh, issues that you just referenced. So, a, a great book that, uh, that I, has been important for
0: me so yeah I would I would second that recommendation for sure. Good stuff good stuff. Well we're actually going to dive into uh, an overview of the passage that you preached on Sunday. It's Matthew 13 47 through50 and for those that uh, have not listened to the sermon online, uh, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen and uh, really ground yourself because uh, there might be some questions that come up uh, in in your time and your study. Uh, that we answer here or some questions that come up and we don't answer. And those are things that uh, you always want to seek deeper clarity on, but uh, it's the parable of the net. And so kind of a brief overview of that is uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and uh, he is using a parable to convey kingdom truths in common terms. And so kind of walk us through a little bit, uh, kind of a brief synopsis of what you preached on Sunday and then we're going to get into some additional questions that came up.
1: Yeah, man, nothing like starting out the podcast journey with uh exploring deeper some questions on uh, on hell, you know. So uh man I wanted to make clear as I was starting that for me and I think it's important for the listeners to hear that um that I approach this text and and this doctrine and this topic Uh, with humility. I think we don't fully grasp the reality of hell, or we don't believe what the Bible teaches if we can flippantly, easily preach about hell. I mean, the reality of its eternality, of its punishment, the the truths that Jesus uh, talks on, which he preached on hell more than any other person in the New Testament, it was, uh, it was important to make that clear. So I, I approached that sermon, I, I hope, with humility, and that came across in my desire to be sensitive with those truths given and yet not making any apologies for what the Bible says. Uh, as Jesus taught on it, as the Holy Spirit inspired all of Scripture, as it is inerrant and uh, relevant and powerful for us in the present tense, we needed the information. We need the information On Hell that we have today. So again, the inaugural podcast, Exploring Hell, uh, the the sermon a little bit more. Let me ask you this practically, and then I'll kind of give my just quick overview. If folks want to listen to the sermon, is there a link uh, related to the podcast they can click on? Use that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're actually going to put this podcast up on our website. We'll put it up on Facebook. Uh, We're trying to put it up on Apple Music, put it on Spotify as well. And uh, we want to provide links to the sermon archive on our website so that you guys can just, from with a click of a button, go there, listen to that sermon, and uh, be blessed, as m- most people say.
1: Yeah, well, uh, hopefully it will be a blessing for sure. But yeah, Sunday, I uh, already talked about the approach. The sermon itself, uh, really, the goal was to communicate uh, the reality of hell uh, clearly and then to talk about our responsibility related to the reality. And uh, we looked at this parable. I mean, it's very clear. Uh, so talked about uh, verses 49 and 50, which I'll go ahead and just read it. The text is short enough. I think we can just read it here on the podcast. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this parable, right up my alley, a fishing illustration that Jesus uses, and as we read it, we can't help but recognized the sobering reality of hell. I mean, he's very clear about the fiery furnace, that people will go there, and that it's not just a a place of punishment, but there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, those in great regret for the reality that they're there. And uh, obviously, we use that to share the gospel with. I mean, hell to me, and I said this Sunday, is kind of that dark backdrop for the glittering diamond of a grace filled gospel. I I thought about that. I was at the mall in, uh, Florence with doozy and I was sitting on the bench as what shopping with doozy tends to look like I'm sitting outside of the store on the bench Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm across from a jewelry store and, uh, the, the customer walks up, uh, points out this particular necklace that he wants to look at, uh, probably I made the assumption for his significant other, the person working pulls out the necklace. I can't really tell what it is until she draped it across this dark felt backdrop. And what it did was it made that diamond necklace pop. And to me, that's that was a great illustration on what hell can be. And hell doesn't necessarily give us an idea of how mean or vindictive God is. It really should show us how gracious and loving and how kind He is, that He's given us a way out, though we deserve a place of eternal punishment. Yeah. In His grace, He's given us a path to glory. So uh, yeah. it really shows us the gospel clearly. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's, uh, that's another thing that Spurgeon says in The Soul Winner, is you have to preach on hell. The totality of the gospel— hinges on the realization of who we are and our destination without the grace of God and and faith in Christ. So uh, spot on as per usual. So I want to ask you a couple of questions that came up in uh, your sermon, came up as we were thinking through this. Uh, the first question is this, why this parable talks about how the angels actually separate the good and the bad fish. Um, They're obviously drawing on the the Jewish tradition when they catch everything in the net, and then they separate the clean from the unclean, so the scales and the ones that are the bottom feeders and that kind of thing. But why the angels? Why are the angels used to separate the good from the bad? Yeah, and, and really the discussion on the angels
1: was where we went to highlight our responsibility. It was the angel's responsibility to separate the good from the evil. We tend to take upon ourselves that responsibility. No, let the angels do their job and let's do our job. Let's share the gospel. And uh, there are multiple passages in scripture that speak about the reality that the angels are the Lord's instruments of separation and the execution of a sentence. Uh, Matthew 24, 31, Matthew 25, 31. Uh, revelation fourteen nineteen and Revelation fifteen and sixteen all speaks about how the angels are the instrument of that that kind of that kind of ministry, that kind of work, that kind of execution of a sentence. And uh, just moving even further from that and and I guess deeper into it, we know that the word angel means messenger. Uh, that's what the the word literally means. And to me, as they are, Executing this sentence, as it were, again uh, a a difficult reality, but one that's necessary for us to recognize. Um, as they're doing that, I have to believe that they are not just carrying out as God's instrument of of a deliverance and and of a sentence separation, as it were. They are kind of proclaiming that sentence as well that that message they're delivering the message of the reasons why this is taking place as well as doing the actual uh, separating um, uh, there you know when this certain time, on, on God's timeline takes place. So uh, we we see that they are God's instrument of of separation and execution of a sentence throughout Scripture, and I think their ministry of God's messengers upholds that as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yep, it is uh, uh, biblical that they Uh, Angels are used repeatedly for accomplishing God's purposes throughout Scripture, which is great. Uh, That brings me to my second question. Talk briefly about the order of events. Um, It's the order of the end times, uh, or the big word, eschatological, right? And uh, so talk briefly about what we believe, what we see in Scripture, the order of events, the end times, and kind of speak briefly why Jesus doesn't mention certain elements here? Why is that? What's the context behind uh, his parable here?
1: Yeah. the uh, It's so funny that you say, uh, talk briefly about it. This is probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. one of the more technical aspects of it. I'll do my best to keep it brief and um, As we are discussing this, uh, we did clarify that we are talking the eschatological order of events. So basically, this separation of the evil and the righteous, uh, when is that going to take place on, again, God's sovereign ordained timeline, and and here related to the uh, end time. So basically, when is this separation going to take place? The key phrase in that is found in verse 49, and it says, so it will be. Going to take place at the end of the age. So, Jesus is clear uh, when he's giving this parable of when this separation is going to take place. Well, uh, obviously, at the end of the age is uh, general and difficult, uh, so we have to do a little bit more exploring when it comes to understanding specifically what Jesus is talking about when he says at the end of the age. And really, uh, there's two schools of thought um, that refers to. Uh, The end of the age. There's kind of two main line options, as it were, that Jesus could be talking about when it comes to the end of certain ages. Well, number one, it could be referring to the end of the church age. And the church age is the time period that we're in now. It's essentially the uh, period of time that started at Pentecost as the church was established, which we read about in Acts 2. And it will end with the rapture of the church and the, those events that inaugurate the tribulation. So we hold to a pre-tribulation rapture view, so the church age will end then, and that separating then, if this is referring to the end of the church age, the separating of the righteous and evil would occur as the tribulation begins. So that's kind of the first school of thought when we are exploring what Jesus means by the end of the age. The second school of thought, is that this age in which Jesus references isn't the church age, but it's the age in which relates to specifically the nation of Israel, basically the the Jewish age. And Scripture makes a distinction between the nation of Israel and the church, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 32 specifically. Obviously, there's overlap because some Jews uh, believe in Jesus as the Messiah and are a part of the church, but There is a covenant that God has with Israel, and the Jewish age is going to come to a close at the end of the tribulation. And uh, the the plan for God's redemption of his people relates more to the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennial kingdom. So uh, we have kind of two options here, uh, whether it is the church age in which Jesus is referencing, or the Jewish age, one that ends before the tribulation begins and one that ends after. So uh, we have to look at the context clues, really, and see what Jesus is driving at. And there's really two main reasons that I believe Jesus is talking about the Jewish age. I hold to more of the, the second uh, option, school of thought, that this separation is going to take place post-tribulation in reference to um Jesus is making reference to the uh, to the Jewish age essentially and i do that number 1 uh, it seems so simple uh but matthew is essentially a jewish gospel right. uh we see that at the very beginning uh with um uh, what matthew 1 explores and uh, the the lineage of mm-hmm. of joseph and therefore jesus himself uh, all the way back to uh, to Abraham, David, and uh, the genealogies there. It's essentially a Jewish gospel. Um, so that gives us an idea okay, Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, certainly, but as Jewish guy, most likely talking about that Jewish age. And then I think that is uh, made even more clear um, by the reality that Jesus hadn't taught his disciples about the church yet. He hasn't spoken about the church age. He doesn't do so until Matthew 16. So those two very simple reasons, I think, give us uh, an idea of what can be a very complex consideration of what Jesus meant by the end of the age. So I, I think he means... The Jewish age. Uh, so with that, this separation would come at the end of the tribulation, and Matthew twenty-four twenty-nine actually backs that up. And I know you asked me to be brief, and uh, I'm doing my best, but uh, I am just going to read this real quick, then I'll turn it back to you, and uh, you can decide whether you want to ask me another question or not. Um, (laughs) Matthew 24, uh, 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with heaven, with power and great glory. And I think verse 31 is key to uh, the consideration of our passage. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So verse 31 of Matthew 24 makes it clear that he sends out his angels there to separate, uh, to bring out the elect, I think, uh, gives us an idea, again, of, of what the order of events will be with this particular separation.
0: Very good. Very good. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head there uh, on the importance of proper uh, contextualization and uh, hermeneutical principles, because it's so important that we see the Gospel of Matthew— from the Jewish perspective, which is the target audience, right? So that, it makes a lot of sense there. Uh, but, and again, that, then that doesn't, just for the listeners, that doesn't neglect um, the order of events that we hold to, just because he talks about um, this Jewish age, right? The age in the tribulation, the separation of uh, the goats, if you, if you will. Um, that does not neglect... The importance of the church understanding that we will be raptured and saved from that hour of wrath, and you see that in uh, Revelation three. Uh, so let's move on from that. Is uh, we they talked a, a little bit about the separation being cast um, into this lake of fire, uh, and inevitably, one has to think, and we've always, you know, we. A lot of times I've grown up and said, hey, you know, hell's a real place. I understand hell's a real place. You're preaching on hell. You don't want to go to hell. We understand that. Um, And then you see here that there is a distinction here. There's a distinction between uh, this hell or holding place, so to speak, and then the lake of fire. So I wonder if you could talk briefly about the difference between uh, the hell or um, Sheol or Hades, so to speak. Here and then, the lake of fire where judgment will be enacted. Yeah, I I do
1: think the the reality you mentioned it this relevance for the church, the fact that we we will be gone if this timeline begins in our lifetime. Hence, the rapture of the church. We won't be around for this separation. Uh, the discussion of hell and and the fact that uh, we aren't going to be around for it. Should I think? give us even greater a sense of urgency with the gospel. Yeah. The fact that this this is a a reality and there's a a certain uh, finality to it, not just, you know, that that hell's a real place that people go to, but the fact that uh, we're not going to be around for it. We only have it, it it just drives home that that passion that we should have for Christ and to see the kingdom grow, and God could have chosen any way to get the gospel out there, and he does different ways, but the mainline way we see scripturally is through the church being faithful with the gospel. So I think it just leads us to do that. And as far as uh, the um, the temporary holding place, at, yeah, as hell exists today, it won't last forever in its current state. Um, people go there because they are not redeemed They aren't able to stand before God because they don't have an advocate. God is perfectly holy. Again, you know, so many people ask, well, if God is loving, why does he send people there? He doesn't. Uh, He has made this way of escape. He has given us Christ. He has sent his son. He has done his part, you know, and uh, we have to do ours in, in repentance and faith. And yeah, that that temporary place that people go to, that that I think you mentioned a holding place, and there's certain Greek words uh that you used uh to discuss that, Sheol, or uh you can talk further the Greek if you wish, a scholarly Braylon over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that temporary holding place that people go to because they're not able to be amongst the holiness of God, because they haven't received the imputed righteousness of Jesus at the end of the uh, tribulation and the thousand-year reign, and as as that ends, Revelation twenty teaches us that uh, hell and Satan and the demons will be cast into the lake of fire, and that is that that final move. So that that final place, it's called the second death. It's that final act of God uh, as He fully redeems His creation. So. Yeah. Where people go to now won't last forever, but still a place of separation, and uh, and then at the end of all things, uh, there, as we see it, um, uh, cast into the lake of fire in the eternal state
0: That's there. That's great. Yeah, and uh, I think it's worth pointing out that even though there is a difference between this holding place and the eventual uh, lake of fire, that the need for Christ is still relevant because... If anyone dies before Christ has redeemed them, then their fate is sealed. It's not that you go to this holding place and it's similar to a Roman Catholicism purgatory kind of thing that, hey, if you do, if somebody does something good, you can get them out or you can earn it back. No, it is by grace through faith that we're saved, not in our own works, lest any man should boast. And that happens in this lifetime and when that lifetime is done that's that's your place for all of eternity but you know the other thing that i was thinking about was what hopelessness happens in this holding place you know and we can and again this is not scriptural or or biblical or, or i don't get it from any place like that but you can you just have to wonder that when you are in this holding place Knowing for a fact that you're going to be judged, knowing for a fact that I missed my chance, not can you? I can't even imagine the hopelessness that one would feel and the despair that one would feel, which I think is a part of their judgment. But it also would cause for us that are living, that are redeemed, that are that do know Christ is our Lord and Savior, to reflect deeply and say, "Hey." We need to do a better job. We need to give the gospel, and regardless of our own personal preferences or our comfort level, our main job here is to do what God has called us to do. We are to, as you said on Sunday morning, to be fishers of men, not judgers of men.
1: Yeah, I I so appreciate that perspective and again, you know, the inaugural podcast, I don't know, could be be uh maybe harder to discuss or take in and uh I mean, it doesn't get any any more difficult to discuss than than hell is, and yet at the same time, I I attribute it to the sovereignty of God as we begin this podcast because it gives us an opportunity to discuss that thing that we are the most passionate about we are the most passionate about the gospel and there's there's again there's no uh consideration that we can make than somebody's eternal separation from god as more uh pardon the pun here uh fuel for the fire <laughs> um for our our passion for the gospel if that doesn't draw us to share the gospel more, if it doesn't draw us to be a part of God's redemptive work, then what will? And again, starting off the podcast deep, uh, dark, even, uh, the- theologically seeking to understand this, the practical outflow of this should be every Christian that hears this, uh, be a part of the solution. Be, be a part of the rescue. Be a part of God's redemptive work. Be passionate. With the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have that way of escape. And uh, again, while it's a it's an interesting way to start, I think it gives us an opportunity to kind
0: of set the tone of what our podcasts will be about in the future, and that is the gospel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I want to end our time, uh, and I want I would like for you to share the story about you on the boat that you shared. On Sunday morning, and uh, we're going to uh, leave our listeners with that provoking thought and then a couple of clarifying things on how they can listen to this podcast in different formats and what they should do with it and uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, just as we wrap up here on this Tuesday morning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, a story I told uh, related to my time on the boat, which I mean, the church knows by now, basically, I even said it, uh, you know, on Sunday, I asked them, you know, what kind of story you think I'm going to tell? You know, they said a fishing story. And while this story isn't necessarily related to fishing, uh, I think it relates to uh, being a fisher of men. And, and it happened uh, this particular event during my time on the boat, we were doing a Coast Guard inspection. Basically, you go out on the boat and uh, they... Test the seaworthiness of the boat itself, but also the effectiveness of the crew. If emergencies take place, if uh, something bad out on the water happens, does this crew have the wherewithal to respond to those emergencies well? And a part of that is the, the guy doing the Coast Guard inspection uh, tells you we're going to be doing a man overboard drill uh, before we get going. And basically what it is, is at any time on the ride out, he's got a life jacket. And that life jacket represents a person. And when he throws that life jacket overboard, the man overboard drill begins. And basically the crew, the deckhands that uh, I was one of them, has to operate as if that was a person that actually went overboard. And uh, what happens is the, uh, the you know, quote unquote person went overboard so the crew starts yelling, man overboard, man overboard. There's one deckhand that has the responsibility of standing on a place in a boat and pointing to the, again, the quote unquote person in the water to the captain. So the captain knows how to maneuver the boat. And one of the other deckhands has the responsibility to throw the ring, the the life ring, uh, the float, the emergency float to the, the person that's in the water. And it was my job to throw the ring. So... Again that life jacket went over, we started yelling man overboard, the other deckhand got into place and started pointing at the life jacket and uh, I grabbed the ring and I got ready to throw it. Well, we had moved pretty far away from the life jacket even though, you know, we I mean we're going about 20 miles an hour in that boat and he um, you know, got a pretty good ways away from the life jacket. So we're backing down, getting closer to it. And I'm holding the ring and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting to throw this ring because I want to get a good throw. I want to get uh, the, the ring as close to the, the person as possible. Uh, so I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Finally, we get close enough and uh, I throw the ring. I feel great about myself. It was a perfect throw. If this was a person, they could have caught the ring and they would have been all right. So we end the man overboard drill, and the Coast Guard guy comes to me and says, you know, if I was this person and I just got rescued out of the water, uh, you know what I would do to you? And he, you know, had kind of a um, a pretty serious look about him. I said, no, what, what would you do? He said, I'd punch you in the face. So I kind of bowed up a little bit. I'm like, well, I'd, I'd probably hit you back. What's up? What's going on? And he said... Well, he didn't really say it. He tried to communicate it through his punching statement. And uh, I really realized, I think better what he was talking about as I studied this. Imagine you're the person in the water. You just went overboard and the boat that you were on is speeding away and you're looking there and you're, you're panicked and there could be rough seas and you're standing there looking at the boat and there's a deckhand there with that life ring that could rescue you. And he's holding it. And time goes on and he's still holding it. Still, the deckhand holds the ring. And there's no doubt that person in the water would be crying out, throw the ring. Throw the ring. What are you waiting for? Throw me the ring. Well, I think that it was important for us as we consider these deep things here in Matthew 13, this consideration of uh, eternal punishment, that we have the answer, we have the life ring, we have the gospel, and we wait and we wait and we wait for the perfect time to throw the ring. When Whether they're conscious of it or not, whether they're actually saying it or not, thinking it or not, that person is in the water, desperate for you to throw the ring. So again, it speaks to that sense of urgency, illustrating the fact that Man, that that person's overboard. Their circumstances are dire. We have the answer. Let's throw them the ring. Let's get them the gospel
0: immediately, speaking about that sense of urgency. That's great. That's really good stuff. Well, this has been our first, uh, first run at podcasts, and uh, we are praying that it will be fruitful uh, for those listening, but it will also be fruitful for uh, many times to come. Uh, we're going to try to do this on a weekly basis and really take passages and different things and uh, try to unpack them uh, each week. Uh, again, trying to bring greater clarity to further equip the church to the glory of God. Our again, as we wrap up, our uh, our name is rooted by the river. Now, you know, geographically, we are actually located by the river. And we believe that we are located here and put here and placed here uh, by the Lord for a unique purpose, and it is to minister, minister to His people and equip them in the church and in this community and be just uh, that salt and light that He calls us to be. And uh, we think this is going to be uh, just another tool in the arsenal of effectiveness for the gospel. And so we are really excited about what's going to happen. A couple of things. uh kind of some housekeeping, if you will. Uh, This podcast is going to be on multiple forums. Uh, So we are trying to put it up on Spotify, Apple Music, um, put it up on our website. We'll put links on Facebook. Uh, We want to make sure that in whatever um, social media outlet that you use, uh, that you can view this, that you can listen to it, that you can glean from it, that you can share it and like it if you so uh, so want to. And so if you would like to subscribe, if you would like to like it, if you'd like to share it, then uh, please do so. And um, we are just, again, excited for the opportunity that God has placed before us and given us a vision to do, and uh, we're praying that the Lord would uniquely equip you this week to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be instruments for His glory, to be further equipped uh, for His gospel work uh, to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, man,
1: absolutely. And I just want to thank you for setting this up. Again, this is your thing. I'm just kind of along for the ride. So I I do hope this will be a a blessing, another opportunity we have to steward our ministry calling well, to love our people well, to be effective under shepherds for the glory of God and the good of the church. And uh, our prayer is that the Lord blesses this in a special way. And it's been fun, man. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for putting this
0: together and look forward to many more to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been Rooted by the River podcast with Brandon Lashley and Dr. Andrew Bosak. See you guys next time.